This is T.M. Camp, and you're listening to the podcast edition of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book One Exiles Chapter Six It was the machines, her brother told her. The machines were keeping their mother alive. There were tubes and wires, computers on silver carts, screens swimming with numbers and charts in green and red and blue. It would have been beautiful if it hadn't been so horrible to see their mother laying in the center of it all on a long white bed. The tubes connected her to the machines. The wires connected the machines to the computers. The doctors and nurses watched the computers. No one looked at their mother. No one but her children. Even when the nurses touched her, their fingers around her wrist, they only looked at their watches, never her face. The boy and his sister could look at nothing else. Her pale and sad face covered with small cuts and gashes. Some of them, the larger ones, were sewn up with dark, coarse thread. There was a large scrape across her cheek and an ugly purple-black bruise that bloomed on her forehead like a flower. Her eyes were closed and her mouth hung open, a small tube snaking out. The boy could see that three of her teeth were broken. He could see her face, he realized, unblurred and distinct. She was so far gone that he could see her face. He tried not to panic at the thought, at what it meant. His father stood next to the bed, reaching out to touch that battered face. And then he wept. After a minute or two, the doctor laid his hand on their father's shoulder and murmuring, led him out of the room. The girl turned to follow them, but her brother held her back. Wait. He went over to the bedside and placed his hand on the blanket over the place where his mother's heart still beat weakly within. He touched her forehead and closed his eyes. And he listened. After a long moment, he stepped back and looked at his sister, crying next to him. She's alive, he told her. How do you know? Apart from the machines, you mean? She didn't smile. I can feel her, he said earnestly. He touched his forehead with the tips of his fingers. Here, I can feel her here. Where is she? He closed his eyes as though trying to remember something long forgotten. Far away. She's moving further away, but I can still hear her. What's she saying? He shook his head. Not like that, but she's there. Where? The girl looked at their mother. The black stitches looked like centipedes crawling over her face. She resisted the urge to brush them away. 
Where is she? I don't know. The girl ran her hand lightly along the cheap hospital blanket. Is she coming back? Her brother didn't answer right away. I don't think so. The girl bent down and kissed her mother's cheek, the skin dry and slightly hot. Come on, she said to him as she went to the door. Where are you going? She looked back at him. I'm going to go bring her back. But we don't know where she is. We'll find her. How? She came back and stood in front of him, reaching up to tap his forehead with the tip of her finger. He blinked. Are you coming? He thought for a moment, closed his eyes and listened. He nodded. There's something we have to do first, he said, opening his eyes. There were two beds in the next room, two matching sets of tubes and wires and computers. Their bodies lay arranged and displayed like science experiments. The girl's arm was in a cast, banded with metal rods. One of her eyes was covered with a patch of gauze seeping pink. There was a tube sticking out of her throat, and it wheezed slightly. The boy's face, like his mother's, was crisscrossed with cuts and scrapes. An iron crown circled his brow, held in place with metal rods. One leg hung in a brace, suspended on wires. Their father sat in a chair between the beds with his face in his hands. The girl took a step towards the bed where her body lay, but her brother drew her back. Don't, he said. You might not be able to get back out again. Back out of what? Your body, he said. She looked at him, scornful. Why are you whispering? Their father raised his head, and for a moment she thought that he'd hurt her. He had never looked so sad, the girl thought, as he rubbed his face with his hands. He sat for a long moment, looking back and forth between the faces of his two broken children. He reached out to his daughter and took her limp, lifeless hand in his. On the other side of the room, the girl felt a tingle in her fingers and stepped forward. It's okay, she told her brother. She went to the bed where her body lay, barely believing that this twisted, broken thing was herself. She put out her hand, lightly touching her shoulder with her fingertips. It was like dipping her hand into warm water, welcome and inviting. You'll have to pull me out, she said to her brother over her shoulder, if I get stuck. He nodded. She slid her hand in deeper, into her arm, feeling the paths of bone and muscle down to her hand. She slid her fingers into her own, a perfect fit, a comfortable glove. She could feel her father's hand, his warmth and love. She squeezed, briefly wrapping her fingers around his. 
He stood up, knocking the chair over, shouting at the open door. He clung to her hand, and caught inside herself she could not pull away. The room was a blur of nurses and doctors, moving rapidly from computer screens to her body. Her father held on to her hand, tugging at her arm as if to draw her out of the darker water she slumbered in. Her brother said her name, loud, cutting through the noise in the room. She looked back at him, then back down to her own face. Reluctantly, she let go of her father, let go of herself, drawing her hand back out. The girl watched her pale hand go limp in her father's, watched his hope crumble away as he felt her go. For his part, the boy was in torment. He could hear his broken and battered body calling out, begging him to come back, to come home. Like his father standing on the porch at dinner time, his voice ringing out to find his son playing in a neighbor's yard, drawing him back home again where he belonged. He almost went back. In the murmuring noise of the room, the call of his own body and that of his father's sorrow was almost irresistible. Almost. At his side, his sister, ever the fighter, clutched his hand. What are you doing? He looked at his father, standing out of the way of the blur of nurses and doctors, letting them do their work. The boy moved forward, one arm still tethered to his sister. He needs us, the boy said. He wants us back. She pulled at him hard. She needs us. After a long moment, her brother stepped back. I know, but he's so alone. He's so sad. I can't find her by myself, she said to him. I need your help. Together, hand in hand, they went to the open door. The boy looked back. I love you, Daddy, he whispered. He hadn't called his father Daddy in years. Gently, his sister led him out into the hall. You have been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and performed by T.M. Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at www.tmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon.
This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. Failure to comply is a violation of international copyright law and will slowly chip away at your soul bit by bit over the years until there is nothing left but a pile of pale pink shards that might once have been, long ago, something beautiful. And then, what will you do with yourself? Unless otherwise noted, all contents of this production are copyright 2007. T.M. Camp. All rights reserved. So there. <laughs>